Good morning, church. Uh, it looks like that maybe next Sunday uh, is the day that we're going to be able to assemble again uh, right here. And so I hope that you'll take advantage of that. We certainly look forward uh, to seeing you here next Sunday. And let me just thank you as well for letting us uh, interact with you last night and, and praying with you. Uh, that was, uh, I hope it was as big a blessing to you as it was uh, to uh, Pastor Tyler and myself, our ministry staff. Thank you uh, for letting us do that. We're going to spend our time this morning in Judges chapter 4. If you want to join us there, we'll get there here uh, in just a little while. Let me say this before we actually get into the message today. Happy Mother's Day. Uh, I say that to my wife and to my daughter and to my daughters-in-law and to my sister and really to every mother everywhere. Ladies, you're awesome and we thank you so much for everything that you do. If you've been on the internet um, for some time, uh, then you have probably stumbled across um, a list of bulletin bloopers, you know, the things that didn't get proofread real well and ended up saying things that they didn't mean to say. Uh, for example, the peacemaking meeting scheduled for today has been canceled due to a conflict. The sermon for this morning is Jesus walks on water. The sermon tonight, <laughs> searching for Jesus. And I like this one. For those who have children and don't know it, we have a nursery downstairs. And this is an embarrassing one. The pastor would appreciate it. If some ladies in the church will let him borrow their electric girdles for the men's breakfast next Saturday. And then here's one more. Ladies, don't forget the rummage sale. It's a chance to get rid of those things not worth keeping around the house. Don't forget your husbands. <laughs> I would like to think that I'm worth keeping around, but you never know. I keep looking for my name on the Beg Barter Buy and Sell Facebook page because Katie has been on a roll the last week and she has sold just about everything that we have and so now it's down to Beverly and myself and I'm afraid to ask which one stays and which one goes. I'm going to be preaching this morning, as I said, from Judges chapter 4. And I'm going to strive to preach with the Lord's help on a wife, and I would assume a mother. Her name was Deborah, who was an encourager of biblical manhood. Deborah appears on the pages of God's Word during Israel's cycle of apostasy, which was marked by a pattern of 
uh, of human sin and, and divine grace. If you know anything about Israel's history, then you know that they repeatedly turned away from God and suffered under his reproach. There were long stretches of, uh, of, of lukewarm complacency and blatant defiance. The head of each family carried the responsibility for the spiritual leadership at home, and quite honestly, they were failing miserably. The Israelites found themselves embracing the religions of their neighbors and forsaking the God of their fathers. God allowed other nations to conquer and oppress the people of Israel, yet always had the ultimate goal of leading his wayward people to repentance. Follow with me as I read the first 15 verses of this chapter. Judges chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. And the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord when Ehud was dead. And the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan, that reigned in Hazor, the captain of whose host was Sisera, which dwelt in Harosheth of the Gentiles. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, for he had 900 chariots of iron, that would be Sisera, and 20 years he mightily oppressed the children of Israel. And Deborah, verse 4, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth, she judged Israel at that time. And she dwelt under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in Mount Ephraim. And the children of Israel came to her for judgment. And she sent and called Barak, the son of Abinoam, out of Kedesh Naphtali, and said unto him, Hath not the Lord God of Israel commanded, saying, Go and draw toward Mount Tabor, and take with thee ten thousand men of the children of Naphtali and of the children of Zebulun? And I will draw unto thee the, to the river Kishon, Sisera, the captain of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his multitude, and I will deliver him into thine hand. And Barak said unto her, If thou wilt go with me, then I will go. But if thou wilt not go with me, then I will not go. And she said, I will surely go with thee. Notwithstanding, the journey that thou takest shall not be for thine honor. For the Lord shall sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. And Deborah rose and went with Barak to Kedesh. And Barak called Zebulun and Naphtali to Kedesh. And went up with 10,000 men at his feet. And Deborah went up with him. Now Heber the Kenite, which was of the children of Hobab, the father-in-law of Moses, had severed himself from the Kenites 
and pitched his tent under the plain of Zaanaim, which is by Kedesh. And they showed Sisera that Barak, the son of Abinoam, was gone up to Mount Tabor. And Sisera gathered together all his chariots, even 900 chariots of iron, and all the people that were with him, from Harosheth of the Gentiles, under the river of Kishon. And Deborah said unto Barak, Up, for this is the day in which the Lord hath delivered Sisera into thine hand. Is not the Lord gone out before thee? So Barak went down from Mount Tabor, and ten thousand men after him. And the Lord discomfited Sisera, and all his chariots, and all his host, with the edge of the sword before Barak, so that Sisera lighted down off his chariot and fled away on his feet. Now, I don't want to get bogged down in, in what I'm going to address at the start here, but really it's, it's kind of like the elephant in the room when you read this passage, so I feel like it's, it's needful of some attention uh, especially in today's church culture. And what I'm, what I'm talking about is the idea of Deborah being a prophetess and serving as a leader in Israel, which raises the question, can, the fact, can that fact that she was a, a prophetess, that she was a leader, can that fact be used as an effective argument against what some perceive to be the subjugation of women in ministry? And I would begin by saying that women have always and do now play an integral part in the function and ministry of the church. I've said it before and I'll go on record as saying it again today, that Fellowship Baptist Church could not effectively function as a ministry without the faithful participation of some incredibly gifted women. In both the Old and New Testaments, God establishes certain positions for men and certain positions for women to serve in. In the Old Testament, for example, women could not be priests. Or as we see here in our text, Deborah did not lead the army. When Barak balked, Deborah didn't say, okay, no problem, I'll do it. Now I want you to look at, at verse 4 again. And I want you to notice how Deborah is introduced. She's identified as the wife of Lapidoth. You seldom, if ever, read that when it comes to the men of the Bible. You don't read Joshua, the husband of Susan, or Barak, the husband of Michelle. That's a, a Hebrew way of indicating that she has an identity in a home led by her husband, which is the role 
God has given him to play. As we get into the New Testament, God clearly spoke through the writings of Paul and said that women are not to be in a position in the church, whether as a preacher slash teacher or, 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 or as a, 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 a pastor, in which she might usurp authority over a man. Now, that's not to say that women are forbidden to teach at all. That's why we have female Sunday school teachers. And why Candy teaches a ladies class. And why certain ladies throughout the course of the heart-to-heart meetings are, are asked to, to teach. That's why my wife on occasion is asked to teach the ladies when we conduct marriage retreats. There is a place for women to teach the Word of God in church. Just not when it puts them in a position of authority over men. Personally, and, and you are free to disagree with me on this, and, and, I, and I know that there are some who will. But personally, I do not see this prohibition as extending beyond the church and the home. In other words, I believe that there are women whom God has equipped for leadership in the public sphere. And these women ought to be actively encouraged to pursue their God-given gifts. Deborah was a judge, which, which meant that she sat in a place of authority. She sat in a place of leadership. And the, the children of Israel, when they had disputes, they would come to her and, and she would do exactly what judges do. She would give a ruling in each of those situations. There are some very gifted women who are even now using their giftedness to lead in the worlds of politics and in the, uh, the, the world of economics. And as I see it, that is not a violation of any biblical imperative. Now, as it is in the church, so it is in the home. God has designed specific roles for both men and women. God created man as the, the head of the home to cover and protect his wife. And at the same time, he has called the women to come alongside their husbands to encourage and help them be the men that God desires them to be. That being said, how, how does a woman, a wife, encourage a man to be all that God desires him to be. How can she, like Deborah, be an encourager of biblical manhood? As we read, God commanded Barak, the head of the Israelite army, to lead the army into battle. Barak's counterpart for 
The opposing army was a man named Sisera. Barak was supposed to attack Sisera and secure peace for Israel for years to come. And by the end of the story, that's what happened, largely through the encouragement of Deborah. Before we actually look at how Deborah encouraged Barak, I want to take just a moment and consider what she could have done but didn't. Look at verse 8 again. And Barak said unto her, If thou wilt go with me, then I will go. But if thou wilt not go with me, then I will not go. Can you imagine what would happen if the commander of our armed forces anywhere in the world said to President Trump, if you go with me, I'll go. But if you don't go with me, then I won't go. We understand this morning that what a, when a commander gives you an order, you do it. But there was something about Barak that would not let him step out and be the man that God had called him to be. Think for a moment how Deborah could have responded at that point. As God's spokesperson, I suppose that she could have fired him for his outright disobedience. She could have replaced him with somebody better. She could have taken over the job herself. She could have berated him by by saying something like this, what's wrong with you? Why can't you just step up and do what you've been called to do? Just get out of the way. I'll get somebody else who can do it. But she didn't do any of those things. Ladies, would you listen to me for just a minute? You have no idea what you do to a man's spirit when you belittle him. When you say things like, I wish I'd married a real man, or you can't do anything right, or why can't you be like so-and-so, You are delivering a crushing blow. Don't do that. Something else Deborah could have done but didn't is try and fix Barack. Ladies, have you ever tried to fix your man? How'd that work out for you? In the end, only God can fix people. And if you love someone who is broken and they need fixing, all you can do, and really it's the best thing you can do, is ask God to change them. And at the same time, ask God to give you the grace and strength to deal with their brokenness. Deborah didn't try to fix Barak. Now, with what time I have left, 
I'm going to show you three things that Deborah did to encourage Barak's manhood. And by the way, she could have never done these things had she lived with some kind of feminist chip on her shoulder, believing that she had to live every day in such a way to try and, and prove that, that she was as good as any man. The three things Deborah did are the same three things women can do to encourage the men around them and help them do what they've been called to do. Because guess what, ladies? <laughs> they really are worth having around. So don't take them to the rummage sale. And don't post them on beg, barter, buy, and sell Facebook page, please. All right, here we go. Number one, Deborah fortified Barak. And she did it by coming alongside of him. In verse 9, she said, I will surely go with thee. And in verse 10, it says that she went with him. Now, she didn't have to go. She could have delegated it to someone else. But she fortified Barak with her presence. She came alongside of him because she knew what God was calling him to do. Even, even though he was intimidated and insecure and fearful. Notice that Deborah did not step in front of him. She didn't belittle him or berate him. She was beside him. And she brought the ministry of presence. And her ministry of presence fortified him. And gave him the inner strength that he needed to do what God had called him to do. Now ladies, here's a little insight into the inner workings of a man. We may look rough and tough and confident on the outside. But deep down, we all have fears. We fear failing. We fear losing. And we'll quit if we don't see victory somewhere up ahead. If we don't believe we can win, then many times we'll just, we'll just give up. And that's when we need your ministry of presence to infuse us with hope. That's when we need you to believe in us. Wives can do this for their husbands. Moms can do this for their sons. Grammys can do this for their grandsons. Now I'm going to I'm going to tell on myself here. Over the course of the last two weeks or so, we have been doing a lot of work at home, specifically in our backyard. 
And one of the things that we've been wanting to do was get a new shed. But in order to get a new shed, we had to tear the old shed down. Well, there are just a lot of areas in life that I am just not very confident in. And construction-related things is one of them. I always, always tell people that my brother got all of those skills. I got the looks and the brains. My brother got the tools. But I thought that I would give tearing down the old shed a shot. And I got to tell you, throughout the entire process, Katie was really, really encouraging. She would brag on me and tell me how good a job I was doing and on and on and on. And I'll be honest, I really didn't acknowledge it. It was like, yeah, whatever. But deep down, her ministry of presence and words of encouragement were fortifying. She just kept reinforcing her belief in me. Some of you ladies may be thinking at this point that this sounds like an ego thing, and you wouldn't be wrong. I'll just be honest with you. The whole male ego thing is real. You see, deep down, men have genuine insecurities. God created us with a need to feel adequate and respected. Men are more fragile than any of us want to admit. And ladies, your words have great power. That being true, if you want to fortify the men in your life, be it your husband, your sons, your sons-in-law, here are, here are a few things you can do. Take a picture of these or write them down or, or type them in your phone. Number one, make them feel like men. Number two, encourage them in their role as leaders. Number three, respect them. Be proud of them. Believe in them, especially if they have a hard time believing in themselves. Regularly assure them of your love. Deborah fortified Barak. And secondly, Deborah turned Barak's attention to God. Look at verse 6 again in, in our text. Deborah reminds Barak that it was the Lord who commanded him to go to battle. And then in verse 14, we read, And Deborah said, uh, said unto Barak, Up, for this is the day in which the Lord hath delivered Sisera into thine hand. Is not the Lord gone out before thee? Ladies, I'm going to make a... A statement here, and then I'll explain it. 
you ladies are quite the head turners. You, you have the ability to turn men's heads, and you know it. Sadly, some ladies choose to use that ability in inappropriate ways. And they lead men away from God. But godly women, like Deborah, will use that ability to turn the heads of the men in their lives to the Lord. There was obviously some fear and doubt in the mind of Barak. So Deborah reminded him that it was God who had called him. It was God who had commanded him. It was God who would ultimately give him the victory. Do you see what she's doing there? She's turning Barak's attention to God. One thing I so love about Katie is watching her turn the attention of her grandsons to the Lord. She hardly ever misses a teachable moment with, with any of those three boys, be it Kevin, Huck, or even, even Leroy at times. And I'm thankful for the times that she does that for me. I'm thankful for the times that she reminds me that God's got this, whatever this is. I'm thankful for the times she's asked me if I've prayed about it, whatever it may be. I'm thankful for the times she has said to me, honey, if you've prayed about it and are confident of the Lord, then go for it. Which is one way you ladies can keep your husband's attention on God. Acknowledge your confidence in his walk with God. Here are a few other simple things you can do to turn the heads of the men and boys in your life to the Lord. Again, take a picture of these, write them down, whatever. Number one, keep the word of God before them at all times. For years, I mean years, whether it was 326 Beach or 224 South Webster or 1440 South Grant or 910 Apollo, for years, you, you cannot or could not walk into virtually any room in any of those homes and not find something about God. It may be a, a scripture verse. It may be a, a, a biblical principle. But you can't go hardly anywhere in our home where Katie has not made sure that, that, that we are not reminded about God. And then, as I said a moment ago, you can do this, capitalize on teachable moments. Now, listen, don't be preachy. You don't have to preach a sermon. But just use opportunities, especially do this with, with the boys, with the sons and grandsons in your life. Whenever you see an opportunity, just remind them of a biblical principle and Teach them about the things of God. 
Here's something else. Recognize your husband's current efforts to be a spiritual leader. Now, ladies, I get it. He may not be doing everything that he could do. But if he's doing something, then acknowledge it and thank him for it. It may just encourage him to do more. And then I would say this. Share with the men in your life what you're reading in the Bible and what you're learning about God. Now, this is not about manipulation. It's it's not about putting them in in your life on a guilt trip. But when, when your husband knows that you're in the Word, I'm just speaking from, from personal experience, it's going to challenge him to get in the Word as well. So if you're going to be a Deborah and encourage biblical manhood, fortify the men in your life. Turn their attention to God. And then finally, I would say this, seek their dignity. Deborah sought Barak's dignity. In verse 9, Deborah admonished Barak that disobeying the Lord would would mean that, that he would not get the honor that God intended for him. And although she was not completely successful in getting honor for Barak, she showed that she was concerned about his dignity. She wanted him to win. I've already touched on this, so I'll not belabor the point. But Deborah did not shame Barak. She could have, but she didn't. When she could have berated him up one side and down the other, she didn't. And because she didn't, guess who gets mentioned among all of the heroes of faith in Hebrews chapter 11? Barak. But guess who else gets named? Deborah. Which goes to prove the old saying is true, that behind every good man is a good woman. And as Pastor Landis used to add, and a surprised mother-in-law. I'm guessing you have probably all seen the Christian movie Shrek 2. In that movie, Fiona is in trouble and needs somebody to save her. But Shrek can't save her because he too is in trouble and needs someone to save him. Donkey is in trouble and needs someone to save him. It's like everyone is in need of a hero to save them. And then you've got the fairy godmother flying around and she starts singing, Where have all the good men gone? And where are all the gods? Where's the streetwise Hercules to fight the rising odds? Isn't there a white knight upon a fiery steed? Late at night I toss and turn and dream of what I need. I need a hero. I'm holding out for a hero till the end of the night. 
He's got to be strong. He's got to be fast. And he's got to be fresh from the fight. I need a hero. I'm holding out for a hero till the morning light. He's got to be sure. And it's got to be soon. And he's got to be larger than life. Larger than life. In Judges chapter 4, Israel needed a hero. But it didn't seem to be anyone within that nation that was going to be willing to step up and fill that role. But in the end, Barak became one of sorts, thanks to a godly woman who was willing to fortify him and turn his attention to God and seek his dignity. Ladies, you may already have a hero in your life. Good for you. Thank God for it. And be blessed. Because that's not the case for every woman listening to this sermon. They desire one. They long for one. But they don't have one. It's not that they don't have men in their life, at least most of them. It's that they don't have any that exhibit biblical manhood. Now note that I've used the qualifier biblical every time I've mentioned manhood. Because there are plenty of manly men out there. But not so many who are godly at the same time. Being manly and being godly are not the same. Ladies, encourage godliness in the men around you. Your husband, your sons, your sons-in-law, your grandsons. By fortifying them, turning their attention to God, and seeking their dignity. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful today for the women in our lives, moms, wives, sisters, daughters, daughters-in-law. And Lord, help us to never take them for granted. Thank you for everything they do. Thank you for the sacrifices that they make. And Lord, I pray that today's message was a challenge to them to encourage biblical manhood in the lives of of those men that you brought into their life. God, I pray that those women who have a man in their life, but he's not a godly man, I pray that you'd give them the grace and the strength to continue to to follow him and pray for him and love him and honor him, respect him, dignify him, fortify him. And Lord, in the end, I pray that you would turn his heart and that he would become the man of God. 
that you desire him to be. And Lord, I pray for so many in the fellowship family who desire to have a man in their life. God, help them to be patient. Lord, help them to be careful. Help them to be cautious. Help them not to just settle for anyone. God, help them to only settle on the one that you have for them. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, thank you for once again joining us online. Listen, I I hope, I hope that this is the... One of the last times, really, I hope it's the last time I'll ever have to preach to empty chairs. I hope that next Sunday that uh, we are assembled in some form or fashion right here and that we get to sing together and praise and worship together and give together and respond together. Would you, would you pray with us that God would allow that to happen? As I said on Wednesday night, um, we're going to do everything that we possibly can to mitigate the risk of anyone being infected. But church, listen, please. If you're going to wait to come to church, until there's no risk, you'll never come back. If you're not going to let those in your family, maybe you don't want to go, but, but you're holding others in your family back from going because there's risk, they'll never get to come back. And if you choose not to come, as I said on Wednesday, we're going to respect that. We're going to give grace. We're going to love, and when you do come back, we're going, to, we're going to celebrate. We're going to look forward to it. We're going to be happy. A couple of things real quick before we end. If you are viewing this service today and, and you're local, meaning that you're from Liberal or maybe somewhere in the, the surrounding area within driving distance, we'd love for you to click the link at the bottom of the page, the Connect With Us link. And to tell us a little bit about yourself. Just share whatever, whatever information you are comfortable sharing with us. And by doing that, number one, you're going to let us know that you joined us today. If you made some kind of spiritual decision or you want more information about the church, let us know. If there's anything we can do for you, note that. And then let me, let me just explain something else. By, by filling out that connection card... You are, in effect, donating $10 to a great nonprofit organization in our community called Southwest Miracles. You can look them up online. It's a great organization. If you are currently in a medical crisis or if you ever find yourself in a medical crisis, they're some of the first folks that I would contact because they've got all kinds of resources uh, to help you during your time of need. And then, Lord, uh, church, let me just thank you again for your faithfulness in giving. I stepped into Lindsay's office this week, and um, 
she was she had opened up a stack of envelopes and was opening one when I walked in and still had a stack of envelopes before her church thank you for being so incredibly faithful during this time I know it's it's been difficult and 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 we so appreciate that and and, and above everything else God's going to bless you for that hey Join us on Wednesday night, and uh, then for sure next Sunday we'll let you know more about that. Uh, but again, it looks like that's going to be our reopen date, and, and uh, we look so forward to doing that. Church, love you. Thank you for being so good. Happy Sunday and happy Mother's Day to all of the moms who are watching our live stream today. And to the rest of you, thank you so much for joining us for worship. Before we close down the services today, I wanted to give you just a few updates regarding our summer events. With the current circumstances regarding the coronavirus, it's caused us as a staff to reevaluate plans for several of our summer events, so Pastor felt it was best to give all of our church just a quick update. As of right now, if you haven't noticed, we had to cancel our plans for the ladies' brunch, although we are thankful that our ladies were able to have a virtual fellowship via Zoom. We'll also be canceling this summer's VBS, as well as youth camp for the teenagers. Uh, Brother Tanner will be updating parents on some alternate plans we have for the youth group later this summer. Junior camp hasn't been affected as of yet, but we'll keep parents updated on our plans for junior camp. And last but not least, Fellowship Baptist School has rescheduled their graduation ceremony for June 18th. So I hope you'll come out and support our school and those who'll be graduating. That's all the updates for now. Church, again, we will keep you updated on our plans for possibly reopening next Sunday. So we hope to see you soon. God bless.